and welcome to the Bleacher Connection. This is episode four, where this week we're going to take a look at the uh, off-season plans and our opinion for the uh, Vancouver Canucks and the Calgary Flames. Uh, we're going to start off the episode, though, with our uh, our normal starting topic, which is uh, that's offside. Trevor, do you want to lead us on into that? Yeah, so our topic kind of came to light this morning. Um with the release of the Blue Jays' uh, starting pitching rotation for their upcoming series against the Tampa Bay Rays. So our that's offside this week goes to Charlie Montoyo for his handling of the Blue Jays' rotation. What I don't understand is he has chosen to not have his ace pitch the first game and he's chosen to not have his second best pitcher who the team acquired at the trade deadline and is pitching to a approximately 1.80 ERA as a blue Jay. He's chosen to not have Taewon Walker start the second game and instead having shoemaker go for the first game Ryu for the second. And if they get there, Taewon Walker will get a start in the third game uh, to be brutally honest. I don't get it. You are potentially, having one of your key acquisitions, not even pitch in the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, you got him for this reason. He helped get you there. As you say, you know, roughly 1.8 ERA, he's not giving up a lot of runs. So it's baffling how he has used the starting pitchers all season long and into last year. The fact it's been, took 88 games and remember we only played 60 this season but 88 games in between starts where a blue jay starter went into the seventh inning and the questionable thing is finally when that blue jay starter did go into the seventh inning he probably shouldn't have because now they have to give him an extra day of rest leading into the playoffs you didn't let him pitch into the seventh all year why did you do it in the last start then yeah, and, and Walker only went three in his last outing. So if you were going to push Ryu to go seven, why would you not look at limiting Walker to potentially have him start game one then instead of going yes. with Shoemaker, who has been injured not only last year, this year, and he's pitched three innings in the last six weeks, roughly? Give or take, yep. I... Uh, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like, you know, I know more than a manager. I, but I'm, I'm going to sit here and disagree with what he is doing because I just don't think he's handled the rotation very well. Um, you bring in some of these guys, I think you can see some of the frustration in the Tanner Works and, and some of the other pitchers who are going well. They feel fresh, they feel good, they can go longer but you hit that fifth inning mark and, and Charlie's got the bullpen in full flight. Um, I don't know how many games we watched where Buck and Dan have said that the bullpen's depleted because they pitched too many innings the, uh, the previous two games. And yet they don't. Let's pull our starter in the fifth and give more innings to the bullpen. Yeah. And you don't, I mean, these guys are pros. Yes. There was a fairly long, large layoff between first spring training and second spring training. Um, but these guys should be able to go seven or more 
you know, he even pulled Ryu in a complete or could have gone for a complete game shutout. If, yeah. But no, we're going to take him out. Yeah. Uh, just not a fan of moving. And you look at Biggio as well, moving them all over the diamond. And one thing they always say is stability in uh, your playing position helps bring stability at the plate. Yeah. You're not trying to figure out how and where you're playing day in, day out. Another questionable thing I deem of the whole starting rotation is what if Shoemaker can't give you any innings and all of a sudden in game one of a three game series, you may have a depleted bullpen. Yeah. After so game one. after game one, that is not setting up very well for games two and three say Ryu doesn't have a strong start. If that's the case, we're probably out. But you could potentially have a depleted bullpen heading into games two and three with no off days. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's questionable at best. And as you and I have discussed all year, we both believe Montoyo is in over his head. Yeah. I mean, with the young squad we have, I, I would have preferred to see a more veteran manager in the dugout that could show these guys what the big big leagues is about. Yeah. Um, and I just don't know if this was the right move at the time. Like they could have brought Charlie in, had to be a bench coach for a few seasons and have a kind of a gap manager that could show the way. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think we're both in agreement that Charlie Montoyo this week, you're offside. Yes. And not just this week. <laughs> no, there's been a few more. Uh, <laughs> a few more. How long was the season? I think, I think the Jays are in the playoffs because of the situation they're in. 162-game season? No. We're, a five, we're barely – we're one game over 500. So, and 162 games we're not in. And Most think, likely not. To be fair, though, they were – within one win of finishing ahead of the Yankees after 60 games, which in a regular season would have put them in the playoffs. So tough yeah. to say if they would have kept it up for 162 games, but you know, it's, it's playoffs. So I'll, I'll take it. I'll watch it for yeah. as short as it may be, but I, I hope to enjoy it. Yeah. But I do think there's more important things that are about to happen in the world right now in yes. the sporting world. And that is the NHL off season. Which we could be one period away from getting into if uh, last checks it was two nothing. I mean, it's end of two, two nothing. So we could be uh, twenty minutes away from the beginning of the off season. Um, I believe um, one of the reasons we chose to do this topic was this off season is going to be unlike any other, and I think and it was it's already started where some major trades have happened. And I think over the course of the next seven to 14 days, that is going to be the off season. And there is going to be a lot happen. Yeah. I think this, uh, this off season is going to move like one of my uh, favorite movie franchises, Fast and the Furious. Uh, I mean, if you're a stall, I think uh, two out of three are now know where they're going to be. Jordan made yeah. a little nervous. Um you know, two thirds. In the words of Mike Commodore, Jordan Stahl, be prepared to pack your bleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know that that one will happen. Um, 
but I do think, you know, it, it is going to start moving. I mean, they're talking, I mean, the rumors are the rumors and what actually comes to light is completely separate from time to time, but you know, everyone and their dog is getting traded and um, you know, any, any RFA that may be an issue in signing is professor. Um, well, he's under contract right now. He's just being rumored to be moved for other RFAs. to sign other RFAs. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it, I think there was a rumor for him going to Boston for crew, whether that's true or not. Apparently he was going to get traded today or tomorrow and Canucks weren't one of the teams, but yeah, yeah. I think, there's going to be a lot of moves. And I think because of the flat cap over the next few years, three years, um, we're going to see a lot of actual potential player movement where teams are going to look at uh, what they can do in the cap situation and could see some moves like, on, not like a, we have seen in the past. Could we see the well, offer sheet to try and get teams in trouble? I think you might see more moves like the one made yesterday by the, the Rangers and the Red Wings of moving Mark Stahl. Essentially, they paid a second round pick to move a contract for a bag of pucks yeah. simply because the Rangers needed cap space to sign other more important players. I do believe you will see more trades like that yeah. where teams that have cap space, you know, looking at Detroit, looking at Ottawa, may be able to acquire assets essentially for straight up cash money. Yeah. I think it will be uh, addition through subtraction for a lot of teams. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I know we're going to talk about the rest of the league in another episode, but I mean, you got to look at the players are out there and the word is Alex Petrangelo wants 9.25 a season. Well, you know, like you said, Ottawa and Detroit can probably pay it, but I don't know how many others yep. can. So it may limit the player move, like what the players are going to be able to ask for in a deal. I think UFAs who are used to asking for X dollars because I play X position are going to have to lower their expectations of what X dollars are because there aren't as many dollars this year, next year. We don't know what the NHL landscape will look like two years from now. So somebody who thinks they're worth nine million might only be worth seven million. Yeah, um, which for him would only be well, actually, if he went to seven million, it'd be a half a mil pay cut. Um, I think a lot of three three year deals are going to get signed. But yeah, I, I would agree with that. Three year uh, flat cap. We're going to see three yep. year deals, and then do you get do you give the hometown discount for three years for the benefit of? What does the cap look like after that? Yep. Well, I think we uh, today we wanted to discuss our specific teams. So Ken has prepared a nice little off-season primer for his lowly Vancouver Canucks. I wouldn't say and that. And shortly after that, I will uh, go over my off-season in review or uh, primer for the juggernaut Calgary Flames. I think we got to, uh, I know what I'm going to get you for Christmas. It might be a dictionary. Um, I, do, <laughs> I do believe your juggernaut flames went out before my Canucks. Just want to throw that out there in case anyone. Well, lightning strikes in sure. Canuck land once a decade. Well, I will say I, I never had, you know, 
aspirations that the Canucks were going to win the cup this year. Um, I thought they'd be a team on the bubble above getting in, um, which, you know, through we'll call it the COVID cup, if we want or whatever. I mean, it doesn't take away from anyone that does win the Stanley cup, you still got to win it. So, but it, they got into the qualifying round. They played Minnesota when it three, one in that and took out the, uh, blues in six, which, you know, overall, I think the, the Canucks for me were a pleasant surprise. I didn't expect them to have that kind of success, uh, in the playoffs right away. Uh, a few guys showed some things in that, that I, I was really, uh, really impressed with one guy that kind of stood, stood out for me was Tyler Mott. Um, he's an RFA. Um, don't give him the Fernando Pisani deal though. No, no, I don't. <laughs> no, he's not. I'm not talking throwing, you know, Jay Beagle type money at him, but uh, I do think he he's an RFA and I think he's earned himself a bit of a bump in, in a, uh, in a contract and definitely like, I think he, he can maintain that play he potentially knocked a couple guys out of the bottom six i think um you know the canucks are going into it with uh going into next season they got zach McEwen as an rfa jake Bertan in rfa tyler defoley is a ufa as mentioned mott uh, rfa uh and godette also is an rfa out of the forwards i think uh RFA land, Zach McEwen, Adam Gaudet, Tyler Mott for forwards. I, you know, like to see those guys come back and see what they can do, uh, given a little bit more bigger roles. They definitely, Adam Gaudet showed some good flashes and good promise throughout the season. Zach McEwen had limited um, opportunity, but he's a big body that can, can play a good physical style. Uh, on defense, we got, the Canucks have Troy Stetcher, that's an RFA, Chris Tanev, and Oscar Fantenberg, UFAs. Um, for me, Tanev and Stetcher, definitely, like, Tanev's going to be a lot harder to bring back. Um, I don't think Tanev, I, I honestly don't think Tanev will be back. I think his cap hit in free agency will be too high for a team that is um, – tight against the cap, especially after next year and the year after having to sign Pedersen and Quinn Hughes. I think this is an off season where you're actually going to have to potentially see some significant changes in Vancouver just to figure out a way to get those guys signed. Yeah. And I think Chris Tanev will be a casualty of that. And it, it would be unfortunate because I know uh, Quinn Hughes does enjoy playing alongside of a man learning from him. Like I just mentioned, the Canucks have got a 14, almost 14.3 million in cap space available. Um, Troy Stetcher had a good, good playoffs. He's a, he's a solid guy. He's not flashy. Um, but again, yeah, you're right. Like we've got some guys coming up in the next couple seasons here that we got that are going to get paid. Um, Hughes and Patterson, are definitely going to get a raise from their 925,000 and 916,000. Um, yeah, I would think so. <laughs> yeah. You know, the, the future is bright for the Canucks, you know, three seasons in a row, we've had a, 
a player nominated for the Calder, two runner-ups, and obviously Pedersen, uh, Pedersen won it in his, his year. I think the big piece of whether a guy like Tanev on defense and Toffoli on the forward line come back is what's going to happen with Jacob Markstrom. Um, if he can't be re-signed, then, you know, that's a good chunk of change that maybe you can work something out for one of those other two guys. Um, if, uh, if you can't sign, if you can sign Markstrom, then, then you may potentially look at uh, a Thatcher Demko trade where if you try and sweeten the pot, like to make a deal happen or make it a little bit better for you, um, if you can move a Roussel or Jay Beagle, oh, for the love of God, Louis Erickson, if you could get him off the books, that would just be fantastic. But those are also going to be very hard moves to make. Um, and that's where maybe a, a Demko sweetener on a Louis Erickson deal could potentially get done. Um, spoiler spoiler alert, uh, Jacob Markstrom also shows up in my Calgary Flames off-season primer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's uh, – yeah, he's, he's rumored to have gotten interest from Detroit, Calgary. I mean, the guy's played some pretty stellar hockey over the last little bit and put himself in the conversation as a top top flight goaltender. I'm not going to Kelly Rudy Yeoman saying he's the top guy in the league. Um but the Canucks were where they were because of his play. So I, I think he was the reason the Canucks were, were, were where they were this season in, especially in the playoffs in a lot of what I witnessed, it was Markstrom was the best player on the ice for both teams and Demko when he got in and outside of that, the best players played on the other team. Uh, except for maybe Bo, Bo Horvat, but I think Markstrom stood on his head and proved why he is so valuable and why I think the Canucks need to make every effort to get him back under contract. Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, you know, I, I don't want to see him go because he is the, he's solid. Uh, I do. Of, yeah, I know you do. <laughs> I mean, he's developed into a, a hell of a goaltender in his time since coming over from uh, Florida. Um, you know, there were some things, there was definitely some learning curves in the playoffs there. Um, you know, Hughes looked great against Minnesota and, and St. Louis. And then, you know, you hit Vegas and things changed quickly. They, they were able to shut him down a little bit more than the other two. Yeah. And, uh, Part of the learning curve, you know, he's still, he's a rookie. Same with Patterson. Patterson, I thought, played really well throughout the entire playoffs. He, uh, even when he wasn't scoring, he was setting guys up. He was playing a 200-foot game. And that's what, that's one thing I really like about Patterson is he, he's offensively skilled, absolutely. But he does everything he can to play a full 200-foot game. If he loses the puck, he's one of the first guys back trying to uh, back check and get it back for his team. Um, yeah, Pedersen is a, a tremendous talent and quite possibly a future uh, Hart Trophy candidate, if not next year. He's, a, he's an elite talent that will only continue to get better. Absolutely. And I mean, that's where I kind of look at 
when I talked about earlier, you know, addition through sub subtraction. If the Canucks can remove some of these, I mean, when I say older, Brandon Sutter is only 31. Um, you know, Roussel's 30, Beagle's 34, but in all honesty, they're for the output, they're making too much right now. So if you can, you know, Benning kind of hemmed himself in by handing out uh, no movement Questionable. clauses. <laughs> no movement clauses to a lot of guys. Like I'm looking at Roussel, Beagle, Furling's got a no movement clause next year um, into a modified no trade after. But it, Louis Erickson modified no trade. Brandon Sutter modified no trade. It makes it tough. So you got to find a team that they want to go to that is willing to take them if you want to move them. Um, Bennings so worked the last two off seasons are going to handcuff the Canucks for the next two off seasons in signing guys like Roussel and Beagle, who they're not bad players, but those are not good contracts. And I think they could be in trouble. And a guy like Brock Besser may have to be sacrificed because of those contracts. Well, I mean that, and that's where you maybe, if you do have to do that, you are able to throw a guy uh, uh, less than favorable contract uh, in to sweeten the deal. If that's yeah. really, like, you may have to take a little less in return um, to make it happen, but yeah, they the guy the one that got it. Sven Berchi, he's 3.3 on the books for next year. Uh, that could be spent elsewhere. Yeah. Um, I honestly don't believe Brock Besser will be traded, but his name is definitely out there Yeah, in is. terms of cap relief for the Canucks. Yeah, and, and I, I don't want to see that either. I think the, the young group of top six they have, the longer they play together, you know, top line, if you got um, – Brock, uh, Patterson, and Miller as your number one, and you have Pearson, Horvat. You know, looking at trying to get Chipotle back. That's a good top six. That's two lines that are going to put points on the board. Um, and, you know, and you could even drop them down to some of the guys. Switch it up so you got guys on the third line to spread it out. I think they're. Jake Bertanen has played his final game as a Canuck. Um, I would agree with that. Whether they don't even tender him an offer and he's UFA, um, or if they just try and trade his rights to the draft. The Canucks don't have a first and second round pick uh, this year. I mean, I'm not saying he is worth a first or second round pick. I will be very clear about that. Um, but I think that there is a move that the Canucks are going to, they talked about it very cryptic, but not so much that they're going to have to move from some younger players. And I think that was a direct Jake Bertanen is not returning to the Canucks. Was it Benning or green that openly criticized his play shortly after the playoffs, pretty much saying we expect more out of a player like Bertanen. Both. I think it was. both I, did. Yeah. Yeah. Benning for sure. And I think green, didn't hold back a lot on that as well. Um, you know, looking at the Canucks defense 
over next year. Edler's got another year with a no movement clause. Enjoy Myers, that. Yeah, he he's thirty four, but in the end, he showed his age in the in the playoffs. He was always kind of behind the play. Um, I personally don't mind Edler, but much like an older defenseman in Calgary, we have seen a decline in the output and the abilities and for the contract that these guys do earn. It is, um, let's just say they're potentially not earning that contract anymore. Yeah. And that's, I'm not saying he's not a good guy to have on the team. It's just, He's getting paid six mil now for the next year going into the expansion draft as well. Um, you know, and that's the other part of it too, is who has to still be protected come Seattle Kraken's time to pick and choose their players. Um, and that's up. another whole dynamic of the entire off season for the NHL is preparing for next year where there will be an expansion draft and, you know, can we make a play now on a, a player so we can, you know, protect who we want to protect next year. I think some of the trades that will happen this off season will have a lot of um, reasoning uh, expansion draft reasoning behind them. Yeah. You know, I, I think the bending has already said that the Canucks are not going to be players in free agency. Now, whether that uh, changes depending on who resigns, who doesn't, uh, we'll have to wait and see once everything, the chips start to fall. But, you know, the Canucks do have some some younger guys that are, are coming up the pipeline. They've got Nils Hoglander is another guy who offensively talented, um, 19 years of age. Do we see him make the jump to Utica next year? Cole Lind, uh, he's another guy that's been playing down in Utica for a couple years now. Um, there, there's some guys coming up, and this is where I think, you know, I, I would on defense we've got the same prospects that have got some uh, got some promise. And by no means do I think the Canucks are skating out of a twilight of a rebuild. I think there's still a couple years of building, but it is. Got to give some of these younger guys a chance on on defense, and we'll we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't know if Fantenberg will return. I guess it may depend on what uh, happens with Stetcher and Tanner. Didn't uh, didn't mind his play, but there may be a better upgrades uh, for a little bit less of a hit. He's a replacement level player. There's lots of Oscar Fantenbergs in the league that are available. Yeah, and I mean I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking at some of the free agent names that are on, on the list here. And uh, I don't, I don't know that there's too many guys within the Canucks price range there, but I've heard Brendan Dillon may be an option. He, uh, he is a local guy. Like he is from the lower mainland. Um, could you get Bufflin out of, I'm not saying the Canucks want him, but you know, could you get Bufflin out of, on a lower end contract after being bought out by, by the jets. There's a lot of discussion already within hockey insiders that there is zero chance Bufflin will return. It, yeah. it sounds like his career is over. 
Yeah, I saw a little bit of that as well, but you never know. His name throws. came up in in my overview of the Flames if he was available. Would you take a flyer on him? And I think lots of teams would say yes. Yeah, but I'm I'm fairly confident he will not play again. I mean, if you could get him on a million and a half kind of contract for a year, and he doesn't play, well, that's long time long term injury reserve, right? So yeah, comes yeah. off the books anyways. And that's the thing that Canucks may have with uh, with Michael Furland. I mean, the guy. This is a tough situation. The guy's 28, and his career might be done. His career should be done, and it's very disappointing to say that. You know, I, I know just as well as anybody what Michael Furlan can bring, and he he can be an an absolute force. And unfortunately, he cannot stay healthy, and concussions have absolutely derailed his career. And I think now Vancouver is going to kind of feel the pain of that, and it, it's sad because I have a lot of respect for Michael Furlan, and he. I have a lot of good memories of Michael Furland. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to see anyone get hurt, and you want to see everyone have a good opportunity to uh, play and make a living off the game. But, yeah, the, his, his first exit during the regular season wasn't – well, it was from a fight, and he came back and got a bit of a bump along the boards and was out again, came back in the playoffs, gets in a fight, yeah, he's out again. Bad uh, decision. Yeah, I mean, you can play a tougher game with dropping the gloves. And I mean, you, you drop the gloves and that's a direct shot to the head. That's, yeah. You're standing toe-to-toe with a guy who's chucking his knuckles as hard as he can at your face. It's unfortunate that he felt that's how he had to prove he was healthy. Yeah. And it ultimately proved how unhealthy he was. And it's a, a major disappointment. Yeah, I mean, he he has the skill to put the puck in the net, make good plays. Um, but, yeah, so, I mean, there's three and a half mil that may come off the books. Again, that's a wait and see till the beginning of the season. But, yeah, I think the Canucks will be uh, potential shoppers in the lower end of the free agent market, see what they can the pick shallower up. waters? <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll, they'll, they'll be in the, I don't want to say kiddie pool end, but, I mean, at least we're not Ottawa shopping on uh, contracts of, for guys that can't play anymore. I think I heard they were trying to sign Johnny Bauer. <laughs> What's Radic Bonk up to these days? <laughs> yeah. Maybe they can get Yuri Hoodler on a plane. <laughs> yeah, I I think the Canucks have got, they're going to have to make some moves and some tough decisions this year for sure. I think tougher than... Uh, than off-season pass, but uh, I definitely will say I still am impressed with how the season went for them, and uh, I'm excited to see what it, what the future holds because I think it could be good, pretty good. The price of winning is expensive, and the is. Canucks are are finding that out this off-season, and whether they can continue it on into the next couple of seasons. We'll definitely wait and see. I do believe they're trending in the right direction. Um, they're, they play hard. They play a good team system. They have a couple of absolutely elite, phenomenal talents that are young. And I think they're, um, there's a lot to, be, to look forward to as a Canucks fan. And I am definitely not a Canucks fan, but I, I respect 
where they are right now. And I, I just got to say, I think for, I was not one of the people that questioned the JT Miller trade, but I think uh, all the people that were kind of crapping on it the moment it was announced are, I would be one of them. Hopefully singing a different tune towards that trade. Uh, I'm interested to see if he can keep it up for another year or two. He uh, definitely had a major breakout season. Very unexpected in my opinion. I thought he would be a second line decent player, but not a, uh, he, he very much turned into a game breaker in Vancouver. Yeah. And I'm, I am quite shocked. Um, I think Tampa Bay's faring just fine without him. I, I would think so. Uh, I, I do believe, I think they're doing okay. Um, I, I'm not sure where they are right now, but I think they've done okay. Yeah. They're about uh, eight minutes and 45 seconds from hoisting their, uh, well, this would be their second cup, right? Yeah, I, I can't remember their first one. Oh, I think I do. Do we, another episode, maybe? Possibly. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think for just kind of wrap up, I think for the Canucks, I think it's it's going to be interesting. I think, uh, you know, tough decisions are going to be made. And the we're already in a time in the NHL where guys don't play their entire careers for one team anymore. It's very rare. Um, there's some guys I definitely don't want to see moved off the team, but we're in a situation that, uh, that may happen selfishly. I don't want Besser to go because that's just the Jersey. I don't want to replace. So. <laughs> well, I think, uh, your comment of, uh, difficult decisions and, um, potential, uh, Big moves leads very, very well. It's a good segue into the Calgary Flames offseason. Um, I do believe this will be a very tumultuous offseason for the Flames. And rightfully so. I think we've proven that our ability to perform the playoffs is not there. Uh, I think that starts with some of our top line players. Uh, I think one player more than another player should take a little more of the heat. And I'll get into that a little bit more later, but I do believe there will be some major changes in Calgary and there will be some difficult decisions made. Um, it's no secret right now that Calgary is linked to everybody, every major free agent, every major player available via trade, in typical Brad tree living fashion, he is linked to everybody. And I do believe he will land or make one, if not two very significant trades that will have a, a pretty uh, major effect on our team and our team will not look the same next year. I don't know exactly who it's going to be. I have my guesses and I will get into that but I think it will be a potentially very different team next year. Um, to go over last season, it, it was no, no secret. The flames got off to an absolutely terrible start to the season. Uh, there was the bill Peters experiment was kind of running its one year. Um, it's one year shelf life. And even before any of the accusations against Bill Peters arose, I do think he was already on the hot seat. 
I believe it was early to mid November where the, his accusations did come to light and rightfully so he was terminated and thank goodness, you know, he deserved it. It needed to happen. And I'm glad that I was able to turn, you know, that, that page and Jeff Ward was ultimately brought in as an interim. And as we've now gotten into this off season, that tag has been removed. Uh, after Jeff Ward took over, the Flames played close to 600 hockey from November till the season shutdown. They were trending to be a playoff team. They ultimately were a playoff team after winning their play-in round against the Winnipeg Jets in four games. Um, I believe they would have got there otherwise. They would have qualified for the playoffs. They were just trending in the right direction. Uh, the Flames did ultimately lose to the Stars in six games uh, after they blew multiple chances to grab a stranglehold in that series. They were 11 seconds away from being up three games to one. They were up three nothing in game six. And in typical you know, Calgary Flames fashion, they blew it. Um, one thing we did see in the playoffs was the consistent narrative of our top line was invisible, uh, especially five on five. And that has been a common theme the last couple of seasons. And thus, I, that is why I do believe this will be a tumultuous offseason for the Flames. And even amongst Flames fans, the appetite is big for a shakeup. You, can, you hear it on the local radio in Calgary. You hear it with fans speaking with each other. And there is a major appetite for Brad for living to do something major. And whether that means trading Monaghan or Goudreau or Giordano or someone, uh, there is an appetite for it here. Uh, don't, don't get me wrong there. They, they, they want to see it. So, I mean, yeah, I think you could definitely see the, the change in the flames once uh, Jeff Ward took over. Um, like he's already He's one of two coaches that have had the interim tag dropped. Uh, I think we're going to see a third one happen in Dallas. Um, I would uh, hope so. Yeah, <laughs> I think, you know, Rick Bonus has earned that. But, uh, yeah, I think uh, for me, like the, the Flames games that I saw, it was Johnny no-show. Um, Johnny didn't – Johnny doesn't give a damn. Uh, I – just in, I felt like I it was more Johnny tried too hard. Yeah. I, and he was trying to do too much. And I I think that had more to do with his centerman than a lot of things. I think he was trying to make up for the deficit that Monaghan was not providing uh, any anything. And so I think Goudreau felt like he had to do too much. And for the second year in a row, it was an epic fail. Well, I mean – looking at cap friendly and what you have for no trade clauses and such, I, I think you might have more Monaghan than Goudreau in the future. Um, Johnny has nothing until the 21, 22 season. And then he's in our UFA. Yeah. So he would be the easier piece to move with more freedom for the flames to get more of a return that they want than all they can get. Yeah. Um, as a the discussion, fan. my discussion on Goudreau and Monaghan 
I do, I have a, a, a piece on it in my off season primer. So I'm going to table this until I get to that point, because for obvious reasons, um, I have a trade bait section that their names are very prevalent on. And I think that we can discuss it then. Cause I think we'll be kind of beating a horse to death. <laughs> <laughs> um, as you just mentioned, uh, on on cap friendly the flames have approximately 17 million in cap space available and i fully intend they are going to spend every penny of it um when it comes to rfas we have essentially three notable rfas we have andrew mangiapani mark jankowski and oliver shillington um mangiapani is a no-brainer he will 100 be signed uh, I'm predicting, like we kind of believed, a two- to three-year deal, another show-me contract. Um, he tried to get a show-me contract last year, and Living signed him to a league minimum deal. But good on Mangiapane, he he proved it. And I do think he's earned himself a significant raise. I think he'll get somewhere in the kind of two-and-a-half to $3 million per year. And to be brutally honest, he's worth it. He is a little spark plug, plays second-line minutes, alongside Backland and Kachuk and some nights they're the best line on the ice and he's one of the main reasons of it so I think Treliving's going to sell him on the idea of let's go short term and you know you can have a chance to make even more money in a few years. Uh, Mark Jankowski the ship has sailed there in my opinion he uh, he was grossly overpaid this year two years ago he scored I'm going to say it was 18 goals, something like that. Granted, four of them were in the final game of the season. And this year, he struggled to hit five goals. And he was just uh, completely irrelevant. Come the end of the season, he, was, he wasn't even on the ice. So uh, I do not see a scenario where Mark Jankowski will be returning, especially because he has to be qualified at a very high number. And if the Flames were to qualify him, he would sign it because – it's worth way more than he's worth. So Mark Jankowski is gone. And Oliver Shillington, he'll be re-signed. He's a young defender. He could skate like the wind. Um, he definitely has to learn how to play in his own end, but a very high ceiling. Uh, again, I believe he'll be retained on a league minimum deal or very close to it. Or I do believe he may be um, used as trade bait as kind of a little sweetener on a bigger deal that could help us land a bigger fish. So of the three main RFAs, uh, most likely two of them will be back and Jankowski is gone. Uh, when it comes to – oh, sorry, go ahead. It's a young young defenseman with a, where you can see the upside. They're definitely worth hanging on to because absolutely they, they're hard to come by. He's a train wreck in his own zone, but I think you can teach how to play defense. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to UFAs, this is where it gets a little interesting for the Flames because we have a boatload of them, uh, especially on our defense uh, and most specifically on our right side defense. Uh, first of all, Travis Hamanick. He decided to sit out the return to play for very obvious reasons. I have no issue with it. I will always applaud somebody who, who puts their family first. Um, unfortunately for Travis Hamanick, the Flames proved they could play without him. 
And I think there is a almost no chance that the Flames will bring Travis Hamannick back unless it's on a very team-friendly short-term deal. Uh, I think um, his quality of play has deteriorated in the three years that the Flames have had him. And I don't see that changing. He's not a bad player. He's just not, he's not the guy that we paid uh, first and two seconds for three years ago. So could he be back? Sure. But it would have to be on a very team friendly deal. Um, I predict actually he will probably end up in Winnipeg on a very friendly team deal. Uh, we also have Derek Forbert on our right hand side. He's, it's very possible the Flames will retain him on a close-to-league minimum deal. If it's anything more than that, not a chance. He's, again, he's much like Fantenberg. Very, he's replacement level. He fills a need, and he's not a bad player. It's just there's 50 Derek Forberts in the league. So whether you think you need him or not, maybe I guess you dance with the devil you know. Uh, Michael Stone, again, another right shot defenseman. Um, I personally do not want to see him re-signed, but I did hear on local radio a few weeks back uh, a somewhat compelling reason to re-sign him, and that is every team needs a 7-8 depth defender that is going to sit in the press box and eat popcorn for 75 games and draw into the lineup for seven games. And I honestly believe... Michael Stone could be that guy on a league minimum deal. So do I want to see him back? No, but would I understand the rationale if he was back? Yeah, because he's not going to play unless there's significant injuries. Uh, also, another player who played some right side D for us in a trade de uh, deadline acquisition was Eric Gustafson. I do not see a scenario where he's back as much as I didn't mind him quarterbacking our power play. I think his cap hit will be too rich for what the Flames can afford at this point. And I also believe they could probably get a better player for the, in my opinion, four to five million that it would cost to uh, resign him. Uh, the last major piece on our blue line, that's a UFA, is TJ Brody. And I can't believe I'm saying this, but I do actually hope the Flames can retain him. But there's a caveat where it would have to be a team-friendly deal. Um, I believe he was in the 4.5 million range, I want to say, last year. And he's if he's in around that number, I'm okay with it. His last two seasons, he, he definitely had some struggles. But he got injured this year and actually had a very serious medical uh, uh, situation in Calgary where he, he actually almost lost his life at a practice. And from the time he came back after that until the end of the season, he was actually a very good player. And for those reasons, I actually wouldn't have an issue with him coming back. And I do actually believe he probably will be re-signed and he can play with Mark Giordano. So right there you have, you can have Jordano Brody and Rasmus Anderson and Noah Hannafin. You have a top four that is decent. So, you know, I, I am not the biggest TJ Brody supporter, but I will admit I wouldn't be disappointed if he was back. Uh, moving away from our defense, Tobias Reader, I do believe will be resigned. 
but it will be a very short-term, low-value contract in the one million range. The guy's a phenomenal penalty killer, and he can skate. And even though Bob Nicholson believes you can't make the playoffs with Tobias Reeder, you actually can. And yeah, I think can't he, make him with he, Connor McDavid either. So yeah, well, you know. So I do believe Tobias Reeder Reader will be back. And to be honest, I hope he is back. He's a good fourth line depth player that plays his role. Uh, Zach Ronaldo, absolutely zero chance of him being back. The guy was an absolute plug. He, the game has passed him by. And that was watching him in the couple of games in the playoffs. It was a good riddance, you know, Zach Ronaldo as an enforcer and a good is, is great. He's a good teammate, but the game's passed him by. So no chance. Oh, miss the, the uh, days of the enforcer are gone. Like having the guy well, that's it exactly. one dimensional, it just doesn't work anymore. You, you need a guy who can play tough, play hard, but also do a lot more. Yeah. And, and he brings a physical element that is sadly needed, but unfortunately that's all he has is there's just no talent there anymore. And he, there was a place in the game for him five years ago. I, I don't believe Zach Ronaldo will be in the NHL with any team this year. Uh, oh, some other forwards we have, uh, Alan Quine. He's an AHLer that I believe will actually be promoted to the NHL team next year. He's a solid fourth line player. Uh, he can play center. He can play the wing. And I believe you can get him on a league minimum deal. And with the way the NHL works these days, you have to have fourth liners on league minimum deal. So I believe he'll be there. Uh, Austin Zarnick will not be resigned for some unknown reason. He just never fit in. He was brought in two years ago, highly touted offensive talent. And we saw flashes of it. He couldn't stay healthy. And then he just couldn't get back in the lineup. So I do believe Austin Zarnick will find work elsewhere. There is a lot of talent there. It just, it won't be in Calgary. Uh, one of the more intriguing UFAs on our team for the Flames is Cam Talbot. What do you do with Cam Talbot and David Riddich? I do personally believe that the Flames will re-sign Cam Talbot as much as I want them to have Jakob Markstrom. I don't believe Markstrom will get to free agency. Thus, I do have a, a strong belief that Cam Talbot will be resigned, but the caveat to that is Cam Talbot will be resigned to be the number one goalie, not a 1A, 1B. It will be a scenario where Talbot plays 55 games and Riddich plays 35 games. It's not going to be a 50-50 split. And I think um, Riddich proved once again last year he can't play much more than 40 games a season. Thus, I believe Cam Talbot is a very affordable option for to fill our goaltending need that then leaves us cap space to do something bigger with, which I will get into shortly. Um, of all the players I just talked about, either UFA and RFA, uh, I believe that we will retain Andrew Maggiapani, TJ Brody, Tobias Reeder, Alan Quine, Cam Talbot, and Oliver Shillington. Uh, based on my projections, that's going to be roughly 11 to $12 million in cap space, which will leave us approximately an additional 6 million left over on our cap. And that's if all those players are re-signed. So with that 6 million, 
I do believe the Flames will try to do something significant with it. Um, if Cam Talbot is not re-signed, uh, I believe that uh, $9 million will be thrown towards Markstrom if he gets there. Uh, I do believe he is one of the top targets on our list, and rightfully so. Uh, trade bait. This is where it's going to get interesting. And Ken, I, I definitely want your opinion on some of this. Uh, Sean Monaghan, he is number one on my list of trade bait for the Calgary Flames. He's an inconsistent top line center. He's fallen short in the last two playoffs big time. Uh, he's replaceable by Elias Lindholm, who can move from right wing on the top line to center. And I do believe that Sean Monaghan could fetch you a top four defender. And as I noted, we are very short on defensemen under contract. So I, I do believe Sean Monaghan could be moved for a right shot defenseman. Uh, he has a very team friendly contract, um, team friendly regular season contract of 6.375 million for three more seasons. I think there's lots of teams out there that would love to add a perennial 30 goal scorer to their lineup. Uh, I do believe he's being miscast in Calgary as a top line center. And as a result, I think he's become expendable in search of bigger fish to put in our top line. Uh, Ken, do you have any thoughts on Sean Monaghan? Yeah, I think uh, as you probably go through the, the trade bait in Calgary, um, I think he may be option two from what some teams may be looking for. Um, I think the one thing that might handcuff the flames a little bit is that modified no trade. And, and when I, when I see those little letters all together, M and TC, it, uh, flashes back to Kessler for, yep. for me and the, the Canucks. Um, if you wanted to only go to one of two teams, you know, and if that's yeah. the case where they ask Monahan to submit a list, if he hasn't already built that into the contract, um, it may limit the return that the flames could get for him. Um, I think the slight difference is the flames don't have to trade Monahan, and in the Canucks situation, they had to trade Kessler. Yeah. And that, that is a big difference there. It's just, you know, you got to go to the player and ask where are you willing to go? Yeah. If it already hasn't been set out and that that's always the tough part uh, until if, if it does come out, what that list looks like. Um, if teams know that the list is small. Yeah. You know, you, you, the return that they're going to give you isn't always what you need. Yeah. So, yeah. But I mean, Monaghan could definitely help some other teams. Could, the return could definitely help the Flames. Um, Names that I've thought of that I've, I've personally linked to Sean Monaghan, and I know other people have linked as well, at least one of them is Matt Dumba in Minnesota. I think you could see a Monaghan for Dumba type trade. Lots of questions already dealt for him first. Well, exactly. <laughs> I think uh, Dumba's a local kid from Calgary. I think he would fit in very well here. And I think Monaghan helps fill, eh, fill a void of center ice after trading Eric Stahl, where they could plug him in as a second line center and increase their offensive output. So 
I, I actually see a, a really good connection between Calgary and Minnesota when it comes to Sean Monaghan. Uh, a few weeks prior, I saw a really big connection to Buffalo with Sean Monaghan and with a uh, kind of a return centered around Rasmus Ristolainen. Uh, obviously, the acquisition of Stahl, I think, uh, we'll kind of, let's just say fan, or uh, put a, a damper on those flames. I don't see that happening now. A few weeks ago, I potentially did. But I do believe Sean Monaghan will be shopped for a top a top four defenseman. Uh, number two on my trade bait, who is probably number one on your trade bait list, is Johnny Goudreau. Johnny Goudreau is an inconsistent scorer in the playoffs and requires line mates who can dictate the play for him. He's a dynamic offensive player. When he's on, he has the ability to take over games. Um, but he does need line mates who can get the puck for him and create space for him. Thus, I lay more of the blame on Sean Monaghan than I do Johnny Goudreau, because in my opinion, Monaghan is not that player who creates space for him. He is the guy that wants to sit in the slot and wait for Goudreau to pass in the puck. Well, two seasons ago, that worked. The last two seasons their ability to create off the rush is gone because teams have figured it out. You isolate Goudreau against the boards with two players, you can render him quite ineffective. And unless he has another dynamic player on his line, especially a centerman, I, I just don't see that changing. So I think Johnny Goudreau, I personally don't believe he'll be traded this off season. I think that's a trade that is very hard to win. You know, we are one season removed from him putting up 99 points. I just don't see a scenario where the Flames win that trade. So for that reason, I don't believe Johnny Goudreau will be traded. And I believe other players would be looked at before him. Yeah, I think with, with Johnny Goudreau, he gives you guys the ability to shop him to all 30 other teams yep. at this point right now and see what you can get. He is that I'm going to throw it out there. Let's see what we get back in return, what the offers are and move on. We either take one or we don't. I think not having a modified trade clause, no trade clause that doesn't kick in until 21, 22. Um, you know, is a little bit of a better option to maybe to start with. If it doesn't yeah. work, then you move on. You go, you look at a guy like Monaghan or, you know, I mean, Backlund has a full no trade clause. Yeah. Um, Lucic ain't moving again. Most likely not. Yeah. He's got uh, a whole lot of no movement, no trade clauses uh, in his contract. Thanks to the Oilers. Um, yeah, I think, the 99 points, though, last season may be enticing to some teams to be able to give up something if they don't have that guy. You know, could, yeah. you, could you go to New Jersey and pry one of their younger guys off of them to, uh, to make that deal happen? Well, there's definitely a lot of rumors, and that's what they are is rumors, that 
Goudreau wants to play closer to home. Um, what player doesn't? Uh, I know there's a member of the local Calgary media who swears that Goudreau wants to leave Calgary. Uh, I don't necessarily totally agree, but there's the belief that he only wants to play in Philadelphia, New Jersey, or the Islanders or the Rangers, kind of in that close to home. Uh, I don't necessarily buy that because I think every player wants to play at home. So why is Goudreau being singled out for being in any different than anyone else? So, but I think that could potentially hamper trade discussions with other teams with the belief that in two years, he's going to bolt to the Rangers or the Flyers or someone. So yeah, I don't, uh, I personally don't see Johnny Goudreau being traded, but if he was again, I would understand it. I just think that's a tremendously hard trade to win. Yeah. You would be talking about Eric Francis now, would you? Well, I choose not to say names, but it does. That, that sounds familiar. Uh, third on my flames trade bait list is Noah Hannafin, a guy who we just acquired two seasons ago uh, in, a, in a blockbuster trade. Uh, he has a contract of 4.95 million for the next four years, which isn't outrageous for him. Uh, Noah Hannafin, he's a great skating, great skating, minute munching defenseman. Uh, he actually very much reminds me of Jay Bowmeister. He doesn't do anything exceptionally great, but he doesn't do anything exceptionally terrible either. Uh, he's kind of come a little less than advertised. There was a belief that Noah Hannafin was a top two defender. Um, I don't believe that he ever will develop into that, but he is young. I believe he's still only 22 or 23, so maybe a couple more seasons, but the only reason I have him on my list is I believe he could be part of a bigger package for the Flames to go big game hunting, or I believe he could be flipped from a left shot defenseman, which we have an abundance of, to, to a right shot defenseman. So literally, I think you would trade left shooting Noah Hannafin for right shooting Noah Hannafin. I think that is potentially a deal that could be made. Yeah, and I think... I mean, in that kind of contract, I think you're definitely looking at he could be a sweetener and a bigger deal. Yep. Right, like a guy under contract until um, 23, 24 on a, on a, a good price. I mean, that's not an outrageous deal. For a um, second-line defenseman or a second-bearing defenseman, it's not outrageous. No. You know, you, you're kind of hoping you can get one of those guys through the draft and develop them and have them that way. But yep. uh yeah, if it comes down to where you need to move a piece and, you know, um, he could definitely be in there to, to make it go. Yep. Uh, next on my list of trade bait, and I don't actually believe this player is available, but I'm bringing up his name more as if attempts at trading Monaghan don't work out, I believe Michael Backlund could possibly be another player who could be, I don't want to say sacrifice, but could be moved in an attempt to shake up the core and make the team better. Again, the caveat on that is I believe Monaghan would 99% go first, but if you can't get the right trade with Monaghan, but you can with Backlund, then I do believe there is that possibility. Uh, Backlund is a phenomenal two-way player. Uh, you can put him out against the, the best, the other team's top players night in and night out. And there's a very good chance that he will outplay them in his line. Uh, his contract, he's got four more years at 5.35 million. 
he is 31. So by the time he hits 35, that could be a tough contract, but I do think their teams would, if he was available, teams would line up for Michael Backlund. And I think he could be another sweetener in a bigger trade or be used for, to, to fill a organize, organizational need. Um, any thoughts on Michael Backlund? Yeah. I mean, I think uh, it would be a tough one to see go. Cause I think mean, he is a pretty, uh, pretty solid centerman. Um, you know, again, it kind of comes down to, it would be another tougher one. Um, no trade clause involved yep. um, throughout the remainder of the, uh, the contract. But if you can find the right fit where he's willing to waive it. Um, yeah, I, I definitely do agree that I think you want to start with Monaghan. Um, I, can, I can tell you from being a, a Canucks fan, the right centerman uh, makes a huge world of a difference for your wingers. Yeah. Like, I mean, as a Canucks fan, watch the Sedins turn a guy like Alex Burroughs into a 40 goal scorer. Um, you know, what they did, you know, something similar with Anson Carter. You have to have a centerman that knows how to play with, with their wingers. If you don't, yeah. you're going to get a situation like this where Goudreau isn't able to do what he, he can because, you know, Monaghan can't get him the puck or isn't looking at yeah. the, the play. So I think you start with Monaghan, like you said, but uh, Backlund definitely could get you some pieces back that would uh, that would help out for sure. When Backlund, Majupani, and Kachuk is one of the best second lines in hockey. So I, I, I do not think there's much of an appetite to break up that line, but I think if the right deal did come into place, uh, I do think it, it could happen. But again, it would be only if Sean Monaghan couldn't be moved. Uh, last on my list of trade bait, and I think this player shows up on the trade bait every season, is Sam Bennett. Um, the only reason I have him on the trade bait this year is could the Flames try and sell high on Bennett after his tremendous playoffs? Uh, he's a regular season enigma, but a postseason beast. You know, he... he I think he loses his way in the regular season for long stretches of time, but I'll tell you, as soon as the postseason rolls around, he is one of the best players on the flames in the last four playoffs. He's been our best forward every year. Um, I think he could be a very attractive piece for a top flight contender. And I do believe that contender would overpay for him. Thus, the reason I put him on my trade bait list, I actually don't think he'll be traded. I do believe he'll actually be given a bigger role next year playing center ice. And I actually think uh, I am expecting a breakout season from Sam Bennett next year. I think his playoffs this year was a real eye opener and I expect to see a lot more out of Bennett, but again, could the flames try and sell high on him to a contender? Absolutely. I, if you could, steal a, a trade and and have a good team way overpay for them i think absolutely you have to look at doing it well i mean I, I can tell you from a regular season standpoint um i've had sam bennett on my fantasy team and i did pull the trade trigger on him um, 
Sam Bennett, I mean, there is some difference. I'm not saying they're exactly the same. Sam Bennett reminds me a little of Vertanen. Yep. You know, Vertanen had a great regular season this year. Um, you know, would have hit 20 goals if didn't stop. But that's the one thing I kind of see with Bennett sometimes. He, he leaves you leaves you wanting more. And yeah. The, the kind of – you look at the draft positions of where he was taken and, you know – a lot of times it doesn't mean a lot because guys in the sixth and seventh rounds are superstars today. Um, yeah, at the time the Flames did not make the wrong pick in Sam Bennett. It was the it was the consensus pick. That's who we should take. And it, it, there's flashes of brilliance there, but we need more than uh, a few flashes. <laughs> yeah, and that's and that's the thing with you know if Sam Bennett's great in the playoffs, great. He's got to also help you get there. And if you can't find him for portions of 82 games, yeah. then, uh, yeah, I think you do try maybe look at selling high on him while he maybe still has some of that um, new car sheen left and see what you can get back. Yep. So that was kind of my, my trade bait list for the Flames. Uh, moving on kind of into my last section, I'm going to get into – kind of what are the areas of weakness and how do I think the Flames might actually address these weaknesses. Uh, I've identified three main areas of weakness. Uh, the first one being top six forwards. Um, it's my belief the Flames do need to somehow find a, a, a top line player to either play with Goudreau and Monaghan or whether that be from a trade of Goudreau and Monaghan or of some way, but I do believe um, this need would most likely be filled via free agency um, or a trade that could involve Johnny Goudreau. Um, to me, the only top six forward out there that I think makes any sense, and I can't believe I'm saying this, is Taylor Hall. Um, he's a Calgary boy. He has lots of ties to Calgary. I do actually think they're, the Flames have a major appetite in bringing him in. Uh, they almost acquired him this season. Uh, they were beat out by Arizona at the last minute in a trade. Um, so I think the idea of bringing Taylor Hall to Calgary is legit. And I would not be shocked if he ended up here. Uh, we would potentially have to move out a little bit of contract space first, or we potentially would not re-sign some of our UFA defensemen like Hannah or uh Hamannick and Brody. Uh, I think some other options are Mike Hoffman and Tyler Toffoli. I think these are both uh, a little more cost-effective than the $8 million or so that Taylor Hall is going to um, command. I also think a more under-the-radar potential acquisition would be Eric Halla. Um, he's had some really good seasons in Vegas, and I do believe there is potential there for him you know, at a relatively low cost to, you know, be able to kind of have a high ceiling of reward. Um, I do believe that Trilliting will have to get creative to address this need, and it could require a major shakeup of the team's core to do so. Uh, I believe there's some internal candidates who could take over these top six and even top three roles in Andrew Maggiapani, Sam Bennett, and Dylan Dubé. But all three of those are very risky uh, 
propositions where you would expect a, you would need a lot of growth out of any of those three players to fill one of those roles. Um, if I had to venture, I guess, Taylor Hall would be the guy that, that the Flames would go after. And like I said many times, the Flames are big game hunting. And I think Taylor Hall is, is definitely on that list. Ken, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I mean, you brought up Hoffman, and I was just, as you were talking, I was looking at the, the list of almost top 50 UFAs that are coming up. Hoffman, I mean, does his past with Ottawa concern where he was moved out because of what was going on between yeah. him and Carlson to the point where he was traded and then traded again the same day almost? Yeah. Florida. Um, cause I, yeah, I was looking at his name. They, they, and again, he's number 12 on the list. Now I think it's just based on their current salary. Um, I don't know. Yeah. I, Hoffman would be concerning because there was a lot of things that came out between him and Carlson and yeah. What kind of locker room guy is he? Cause they got picked up and then moved right away. So. My big concern with a guy like Hoffman would be, is he James Neal 2.0? And would he get paid? And then all of a sudden you wouldn't get what you paid for. It's Louis so, Erickson. Yeah, very much Louis Erickson. Um, I do believe Tyler Foley's right up there as a guy they would potentially be interested in. Um, I don't know that he scores quite enough to play a top three line or top three role, but if you could potentially shift Matthew Kachuk up in the lineup and fill Kachuk's second line spot with a guy like Toffoli, I could see that. I mean, uh, Toffoli came into Vancouver and in the 10 regular season games he played, had 10 points. He played in game one against Minnesota, got hurt, came back and was putting the puck in the net and setting guys up again. So he's a guy that, uh, you know, I might say over my dead body first because I want to see him back on a line with Horvat and Pearson. Cause I think that from a Canuck standpoint worked very well, but you were talking about needing a top six forward. And I'm just looking at the defense. If moving a guy like Anderson or Rasmus Anderson, well, he's going nowhere. He's one of our only right shot D under contract. Yeah. So he's, I actually had a list of untouchables and his name was number one. Yeah. There, there is zero chance that Rasmus Anderson is going anywhere. He just signed a, a major extension at a very team friendly number. Four and and I think it was, yeah, four and a half. I think that contract is going to be a steal in two seasons. He's a top, he's going to be a top two defender on this team, uh, most likely with Yusuf Valamaki. And I think that he's a, his name's a non starter in any, negotiation he's that good and i think he, the, the league will recognize it over the, the course of the next couple of years and that's a i mean it's tough because they're like going back as a canucks fan i look at the time when they had uh cory schneider as a blue chip prospect playing down in uh i think it was winnipeg at the time there was the miners team and everyone wanted cory schneider and then he came up, played a few games, did not bode well in that time because, yeah. <laughs> again, he was young, he was a rookie, but he still had that blue chip 
prospect um, around him. And, you know, he, he came up, he developed, he played well, but then he, you know, the whole controversy thing where uh, we essentially traded Corey Schneider and Roberto Luongo for Bo Horvat. Um, not that, that, you know, Corey Schneider for Horvat's not a, turned out to be a pretty good trade. Yeah. It's actually worked out terrible at the time, but it's worked out well now. <laughs> well, I think it, when you deal a guy that has, you know, number one goaltender for a lot of years all over him and you, you get a draft pick, you hope to hell that draft pick's going to turn out in it. I mean, we got a captain out of it and yeah. uh, I think Bo's going to be a hell of a player for a lot of years. So I'm okay with that. But yeah. again, it's always tough. You get these guys that have this, they do well, they do well. Do you take the risk? You know, that, that it's either going to work out or, you know, can you improve your team now and for the future and risk that maybe it doesn't work out with that guy? I mean, yeah. everyone hopes that it does for their team's sake, but it's a tough one. It's one of those tough decisions. And I think over the next three years with the way the cap situation is, you could see some guys where you're like, wow, he got traded. Yeah. I did not see well, that. I totally happen. agree. So it was just a question. I was just like, I, I know Calgary is high on him and the fans like him and, He's yeah. a from a guy who watches every single Flames game. Rasmus Anderson is the least of our worries and will be a stud. Yeah. He is a very good player, and he just has this moxie about him, where like he's confident, and you just he knows that he's a good player, and he he acts like it, and there's just this confidence, and that is he's just you want more guys like him on your team. Now you know why I want to see him in the Eastern Conference, not in the not on the Flames roster. Yeah. Uh, so the second major area of weakness for me for the Calgary Flames is goaltending. Um, in my opinion, it's likely that Talbot and Riddich will return for another season as our goalie duo. duo um, though I do believe Treliving is big game hunting. Um, with an abundance of goalies available this offseason, this may be the year to finally put our long-standing post Kippersoft goalie woes to bed. We have not had a legit number one goaltender since Mika Kippersoft retired. And I think this, because of the options out there, this may be the year that we do it. Um, if Jake Jakob Markstrom hits free agency, he needs to be plan A, B, and C for the Flames. Uh, he would be a major boost to our needs and that would also deal a major blow to our division rival. Um, the Flames have to be all in on Markstrom. If, if he gets to free agency, you have to back up the truck. Uh, the worst case scenario, if Calgary kicks tires aggressively, well, they can drive up the contract price on the Canucks, which is also a win-win for the Flames. So either you have them on your team or you significantly hamper the Canucks' ability to have additional cap space and drive the price up. Uh, to me, it, it, Markstrom is the guy. If there is one guy that I hope our team does land this offseason, it's him. Um, I'm tired of the goalie carousel in Calgary. I'm tired of, you know, big save Dave is good for 40 games and terrible for 20 games. Uh, he's he's a good goalie, but he, he's not a bona fide number one. 
He's a duo at best, um, though I do believe it will be Talbot Riddich next year. In a perfect world, it will be Markstrom Riddich. Um, there's a few other options out there. Uh, we could look at acquiring Marc-Andre Fleury or Matt Murray. Uh, in my opinion, those are definitely less desirable options. And they probably would be an upgrade, but are the acquisition costs worth it? So Cam Talbot and Markstrom really, in my opinion, are the only two solutions to the Flames goaltending. I don't know that Talbot is the solution, but I think it is a short-term stopgap until maybe next offseason or the season after. Yeah, I think, I mean, looking at the list of goalies out here, like you mentioned Matt Murray. He made uh, 3.75 last year as an RFA. I can't see Pittsburgh locking him up for a lot much more than that. I think they're going to try and lock him up at a very friendly contract with the intention of moving him. Yeah. Uh, you're not going to sign him to a five or six, $7 million contract. And no. Hope a team's going to pick that up. Uh, they're going to do some favors to a lot of, uh, Matt Murray suitors by putting him at a reasonable contract. The asking price for that though will be steep. And that's where would you would a team be willing to part with an Rasmus Anderson or a Brock Besser if the Canucks can't get Markstrom signed to get a guy like that? Yeah. Um, that's why I asked that question. Like if you can fill, because I think your goaltendering situation, we joked when Talbot signed that, you know, if we saw what he could do in Edmonton and well, nothing said that it was going to be well uh, going forward, but he did really well. I mean, I think I was surprised by the what the body of work he put forward this year, and yep, so was took, I. He took over for Riddich because Riddich was yeah. the guy, but he just like you say, big save Dave didn't make a lot of them. Um, well, he was no save Dave in Game Six. Yeah, and that's you could if you could move him, like you can, might be able to get a cheap Jimmy Howard. Um, you know, at the higher end of the goaltenders for salaries this past season, you got Braden Holtby. He's 30. I don't want to touch that. I know there's local ties there, but he's uh, twice in the last two seasons, he's been supplanted as his own team's number one. So I'm not yeah. touching that one with a 10 foot pole, unless it's a very, very friendly contract. And you're looking at a, uh, 50 50 split with Riddich, but again, I just I don't like the idea of Riddich getting that many starts. If you could get Braden Holpe on a redemption contract, yep, I think that would be all right. I mean, I want the Canucks to retain Markstrom, but if they can't, maybe you know, like a, a like I say, a redemption contract for Holpe to show what he can do uh, would be would be nice to work with. Corey Crawford at 35 and what he's done, I think he's gonna. I don't know what kind of option he would be for either of our teams. I just don't see him leaving Chicago. They'll sign him to another one-year deal. And I just, yeah. He'll, he'll I looked at Corey Crawford and then I was like, no, thank you. I mean, if the if the rumors are true, Robin Leonard's already got a five-year, five-mil contract waiting for some ink. Um, if I had to choose, though, between Leonard and Markstrom and you're only talking a million dollars difference cap it, it's Markstrom all the way. Yeah. Leonard is a couple years younger, 28, but yeah. Um, 
Craig Anderson, he could be a cheap backup for some. Like if the Canucks, uh, tough to say. If the Canucks can't keep Markstrom, is he the one B to Demko one A? Yeah. Um, because yeah. then Jimmy Howard is another guy, but that's a big risk with his injury problems. Yeah. Um, Mike Smith. <laughs> pass. And I'm not saying Mike Smith pass to someone else. Just, yeah. No. No, thank but you. But I do believe there are an abundance of goalies available this offseason. Thomas Christ. And that's why I think the Flames may push some other needs aside if they can land a big a big name goalie at a reasonable price just because there are so many options available. I well, think it, it I think it's a definite option. Well, Halak in Boston, not a free agent, I don't think, yep. but you know, if I like I say I only had the top 50 players based on contracts there but if halak is available i mean that's another guy you could 1a 1b with yeah situation like he's a guy that the, has been thrown around that the canucks could pick up if they can't get markstrom yeah like he would be good enough to take over if demko falters because he is still young um but i think that uh there is some choices and options out there yeah. Uh, the last major area of weakness for me for the Calgary Flames is right shot defenseman. And it is a major weakness. Uh, the Flames have an abundance of left shot defenders with Giordano, Valimaki, Hannafin, Shillington. But we really only have Rasmus Anderson and unproven AHLers on the right side. Um, it's my belief TJ Brody will likely be retained uh, to play the right side on a pairing with Giordano. Um, if he's not retained, uh, his cap hit and the cap hit of Travis Hamannick uh, could be your, could be used to try to lure one of the big fish in Tory Krug. And as we've already heard, Alex Petrangelo, there's uh, lots of talk that the flames are all in on Petrangelo. Uh, personally, I would prefer Tory Krug if we are to go down that road. Um, Again, Luke is oh, he's an art UFA. He's a UFA. I thought he was in. Nope. Uh, he's the rumor is Boston offered him six by 6.5 and he turned it down. Um, contract. Yeah, it's a decent, good contract. Tori Krug's an amazing player. And so is yeah. Alex Petrangelo. Don't get me wrong. If the Flames sign either of these guys that they've been linked, both of them, trust me, I will be happy. Um, I don't want to pay nine and a half million for Petrangelo, but that may be the cost of doing business. Um, we are weak on that side and we need at least one top four right shot defenseman. Now Krug isn't right shot, but he does play on the right hand side and same with Brody. He's not right shot, but he plays on the right hand side. Um, I've said it earlier. I believe Sean Monaghan is the piece that will be dangled in the trade talks to acquire a right shot defenseman. Um, again, could we do something with Minnesota for Matt Dumba or could something be had for Aaron Eckblad in Florida? There's another guy who hasn't panned out and I've heard his name recently in rumors and I'm not saying straight up Monaghan for Eckblad, but could those be the centerpieces in a trade? Could yeah. Noah Hannafin be swapped for a right-hand shot? I think. If Could Johnny wanted... Goudreau be dangled? It's there's tons of options for the Flames, and they're desperate for right-shot defensemen. 
Yeah, I think if you're uh, if you're wanting to do a deal with Minnesota, then you better have a Minnesota boy on your team. You're looking to send that way because it seems that's what they're collecting these days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we got the one up on you in the Dumba because they want Besser and he's from the area. So. Yeah, yeah. And so you know, I mean, I, there is absolutely nothing behind this that has said it's even happened. Um, but Besser is from the area. His his dad does have some health problems. Maybe he's asked to, you know, if that, that is if that ever comes up, then it's I gonna... do believe Matt Dumba's available, and he would be a, a natural fit on both of our teams. Yeah, I think he fills an organizational need for the Flames way more because just because he is a right shot, but he's a natural fit for, well, he's a natural fit on almost any NHL team. Uh, and I'm surprised his name has been out there as much just because he is. I think a bit of the injury history might be why, but. Yeah. I mean, I, you mentioned the the right shot D um, and I, I'm, I'm looking at the Canucks and, on, on the, the main roster, you got Myers, Tanev, and Stetcher. Well, Tanev's UFA, Stetcher's RFA. You go to the minors, you got Wu, Mitch Elliott, Brogan Rafferty, Chatfeld. And, you know, not a lot of those guys are ready to go. But I think right shot D is a, is a, weakness amongst the NHL. There just doesn't seem to be an abundance of them. Yeah. Around. And that's why they cost a pretty penny. Yeah. And I also believe the flames will acquire a very uh, replacement level, right shot, third pairing defenseman at, at or close to league minimum. Um, there's, uh, there's a boatload of those guys out there that you can pay a million dollars to that'll play third line or third pairing defense minute. So I'm not overly concerned about that one, but we are one significant right shot defense defenseman short. And I do believe uh, we are big game hunting in that. Well, we, we know we are, it, the, the names are out there. Yeah. And it's what comes to fruition and what doesn't. So yeah. in my opinion, the flames have those three significant areas that need improved on. And unfortunately I don't believe it can all be done in one off season. Uh, with so many goalies available, uh, one of the other needs may get bumped if a goalie can be acquired that would provide a significant upgrade. Uh, bringing in Markstrom may mean none of the core is moved out, and this group may be given one more kick at the can. Uh, upgrading the goalie position and right shot D position may be enough to make up for the deficiencies of the top line. I don't know. Or has Trilliving seen enough of 13 and 23 getting walked all over in the postseason? And does he focus his attention on improving the caliber of our top line? Uh, if retained, does Monaghan drop on our depth chart? Does Matthew Kachuk move up the depth chart? Maybe he gets to play with Goudreau and Lindholm. Uh, there's one thing I know for sure. Calgary will be active this offseason. And they are going big game hunting. What does it take to get done? And who will and won't be back in Calgary next year, in my opinion, is fascinating. Uh, many of these questions will be answered in the coming weeks, and it really could be a, a bit of a sad end of an era in Calgary with Goudreau and Monaghan potentially both being on their way out. But, you know, end of an era with the sweeping changes, but uh, if it happens, it happens, and I love the off season. 
it is fun it is fun yeah uh, i'm hoping for a few uh, hometown discounts um uh, i think every team's hoping for a few <laughs> <laughs> from markstrom to foley tanev um no i think i think a lot of teams are going to change change how they look um you know a guy that could be available is galchenyuk i mean oh i think he's more than available well considering they already gave away his number um yeah, yeah. i'd say he's available i'm not touching that <laughs> <laughs> no no I, well, I was only saying it because I figured they'd fit well with the Flames. Yeah, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's going to be an absolutely fascinating offseason in general in the NHL with the flat cap. There's going to be very intriguing uh, moves made. Um, thus, the reason our next uh, podcast, we're going to focus on some of those ridiculous trades that we think are going to be made. Or some of those, you know, outlandish signings. Who's going where? Uh, our intention is to kind of have five extremely bold predictions of what we think may happen this off season, and I think there five may not be enough. Yeah, I'm I'm interested to see which way we both go on this. Um, for obvious reasons, I will have Calgary Flames content in there just because I do believe they will be one of the big players of this off season and any significant trade, there's a very high likelihood they will be involved. Yeah. I think, uh, unpredictable is going to be a big, the main term for this off season. Um, yeah. unprecedented. Like it's just, we just don't know. We haven't had a flat cap for three years in a long or ever. Um, the, well, the it's end. not even this year. It's a flat cap. It could be a flat cap for two or three more seasons. Well, I think they said three years. Two for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting. I think we're going to see uh, our team's going to stop handing out the type of contracts they have in the past. Are they? I very say, much think they will. Are they going to say, "Sorry, Alex, um, we're not going to pay you nine point two five. We can't. The, the there is no guarantee that we can." work a deal this season to pay you more later on because who knows what it's going to be like. We don't even know when the next season is going to start, what it's going to look like, nothing. So we're in a spot right now where there's a lot of question marks. Um, but the off season is one of my favorite times. It absolutely is. And in our next episode, we're going to take our best guess at answering some of those question marks. Yeah. And I think, uh, it can be said now because it is over. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning on your second Stanley Cup. I think it's their first. Uh, no, I'm pretty sure it was their second. Okay. You can bring up the Dave Anderchuk picture again if you'd like. No, I think I'm okay. No, you're okay? Okay. <laughs> All right. But yes, uh, Tampa Bay did knock off Dallas in six games. Um, Congratulations, Tampa Bay. And the offseason is here. Yeah. Clock is dealing and dealing begin. <laughs> All right. Again, if you have any uh, comments, questions, anything you want to hear, um, we've got the email, the bleacher connection at gmail.com. Uh, we have our Twitters. And uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.